32 and 38. I made this decision after I put the slides together, so I apologize that I don't have all of those in there. Amen. I know Acts 2, 38 is way down the line somewhere. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible tells us, and, when, and they were all filled. Everybody say they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. And then we go to verse 38. And uh, then Peter said unto them, Repent. Everybody say repent. Everybody say be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about how it affects those around us. We're going to talk about what they experience in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and then the following verses. So let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight and ask Him to meet with us in a mighty way. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for your grace and mercy in this house. Lord, you are worthy to be praised in this sanctuary, God. I'm asking that you would bind us together. Let your spirit rest in our midst. We exalt you and we magnify you in this house today. Lord, I'm asking that you would allow the glory of heaven to fill this house. God, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay. Anoint my mind, God. But most of all, anoint our hearts that we could receive your word with meekness, Lord. That it can grow and it can be fruitful in our life. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Amen. Everybody said amen. Can we give him a hand clap of praise before we sit down today? Lord, we love you. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost. Last week we talked about how that the Holy Ghost came into that upper room and we talked about unity. We talked about how that um, they, they sought the face of God, and as they sought the face of God, um, that when they finally got into one mind and one accord, that's when the Holy Ghost came in their midst. Amen. And uh, I believe wholeheartedly that uh, those folks were seeking after some things of God. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't heard any more news of this whole Asbury, uh, what do you call it? Um, gathering, uh, it was so hot, it was such a hot commodity, or it was a, such a hot deal that everybody was talking about it, and they were worried, I hope, I hope, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting down on it, I'm just saying, it seems to me that in, in, in the, the history of humankind, mankind, that this seems to happen often. Where all of a sudden people all are, are gung-ho about one situation and then not too long down the road it's, it's yesterday's news and, and they're not so excited about it anymore. My question is, did we lose our hunger for the things of God? Because it was, it was one of the things I didn't say last week that I skipped over for time's sake and, and I, I came across it this afternoon when I was studying was, you know, there wasn't anybody there in the upper room that was unconcerned about what was going on. There wasn't anybody in the upper room that night that wasn't focused on the Holy Ghost or the promise of the Father showing up. Everybody had their mind on one thing and that was to see the glory of God manifest in their midst 
They didn't know how to expect it to come. All they knew is Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and tarry for the promise of the Father, which saith he I've told you about. Right? And so they went back, and they spent time praying. And all of a sudden, suddenly, the Bible says. I, I finished with that last week. Suddenly, when you least expect it, God shows up on the scene. And he said, here you go, my friend. Here you go, my child. Everything's going to be all right. I told you I would be here. I know that you probably thought I was going, I was going to be too late. But I can promise you this, my friend. Every time that God shows up, it's not too late. It's right on time. Hallelujah. A song comes to mind that we used to sing in, in our churches um, by, what was her name, Babby Mason? I can't remember her name. Anyway, but she, she, was, she was a gospel singer and she led choirs and she sang this song, He's an on-time God. Yes, He is. Whoa, He's an on-time God. Yes, He is. He may not come when you want Him, but He'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Amen. Can I get a witness that God is an on-time God tonight? Amen. Every time that we need him, he shows up and he shows out. Hallelujah. He knows how to take care of us if we will just give him our lives wholeheartedly. My, you know, one of the things that I think it was Jeremiah wrote, he said, if you want to find me, you've got to do it in a certain way. You've got to seek me. With your whole heart. With everything that you've got, you've got to seek me with that. And Saturday when we were at the youth rally, something got stirred up on the inside of me. Uh, brother, was it Brother Posey is his name? Brother Posey was preaching and he said, you know, down in Gina, Louisiana, he said there's only one way we know how to do things. And that's with everything we got. Amen. With all, with all of our might, we're going to do whatever we can. And he said, you know, I've come to this, to this youth rally on this Saturday. Maybe it's an off day, but let me tell you something. We, we've come to church on a Wednesday night, just like he told them young folks, you came to church on a Saturday. There's no sense in sitting through a service and going through the motions of a service and, and just going home unchanged. Let me tell you something. Some young folks didn't go home unchanged on Saturday. In fact, one of them, he was, I, I said it Sunday, who was a gangbanger, he, 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 he went home and he, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. God is good. God is faithful. God is wonderful. Amen. But we've got to seek him with our whole heart. Let me tell you something. It was hot in that building. There was so many people there. Amen. I'll tell you what. Air conditions weren't made for apostolic church services. Amen. Unless you get it super cold before everybody gets there, and then everybody's complaining that it's too cold. But then in a little while, they're going to be saying, man, it's too hot in here. Can you crank the a AC? And Well, by the time that we're cranking the AC at that point, it's done too late. Amen. But I'm telling you, folks. When we get to worship in the Lord with all of our heart, we're not worried about being too hot. We're not worried about the sweat that's rolling off of our head. We're not worried about the tears that are flowing down our face. We're not worried about how disheveled we look. All we're worried about is making sure that he gets all the glory and make sure that he knows, God, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. God, I'm here to worship you with all of my heart, and that's the purpose that I have come in this place tonight. Amen. And I feel like we've come here tonight to worship the Lord. Amen. Thanking him for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. If you don't have anything else to worship God for, you've got, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you ought to praise God for it. 
Amen. Because he gave you his spirit. He lives on the inside. Amen. The Holy Ghost is my everything. The Holy Ghost is my everything. John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus told Nicodemus this very thing. He said, Jesus answered, verily, verily, or if, if we were to say it in our language or, or, or common vernacular today, it would be verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And I will say this, the people of the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, they experienced what Jesus was telling Nicodemus about. Amen. They, in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the, what gave the utterance? The Spirit gave the utterance. So they were born of the Spirit. The Spirit was the one giving them the ability to speak. The Spirit was the one that came into their life and, and gave them the ability to say what they were saying that day. And, and Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, this is what's going to happen. You've got to be born of the Spirit in order to be able to go into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. If you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have been born again just like Jesus told Nicodemus you had to be. Can I get an amen here? Praise the Lord. If you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've been born again, just like Jesus said. I want you to consider this with me. 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 13, the Bible says this, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Everybody say one Spirit. I've been born into one spirit. Amen. There's only one God. Amen. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And he has come back in, in the form of the Holy Spirit that comes on the inside of me and changes me and makes me what he needs me to be. Praise God. If you've experienced that, can you shout amen? amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have come. I've been baptized into one body. And can I say it this way? Uh, the Apostle Paul was telling them, I don't care what your pedigree is. I don't care where you come from. He said, I don't care if you're a Jew or if you're a Gentile. I don't care what you've been doing all of your life. I don't care if you're bond or free. Or what he was talking about, I don't care if you're a slave. I don't care if you're a servant. I don't care if you're a rich person that owns those servants. He said, I don't care what walk of life you come from. I want you to know this. If you get the Holy Ghost, you will be born into the Spirit. Amen. And, that, and when we're born into the Spirit, we have been born into hope. Amen. How many times, I, I can tell you this, when I didn't have God, I was hopeless. But when God came on the inside, I gained hope. In fact, I don't have time to teach on or preach on this tonight, but it, uh, maybe I'll have to do this later on, but I want you to understand, um, while the Apostle Paul, Brother Mendez, was on the ship to Rome, they came to a cyclone called Eurachlodon, 
and he goes into that storm. And the Bible says, when all hope had been lost, there was still hope to be found in Paul's life. Because when everybody else lost hope, Paul, being filled with the Holy Ghost, came to the captain of the ship. And you know what he said, Brother Tuffy? He said, hey, bud, this night I saw an angel of the Lord. And he looked at me and told me, fear not, for no one shall lose their life this day. And he goes on to tell them the only way that they can keep their life is if they stay with the ship. And one, one uh, translation I was reading about that story in, I think it was the NIV possibly, I didn't ever realize they put it in this fashion, Brother Mendez, they said this, they were holding the ship together with ropes. That puts a new perspective on things. There were cracks in this thing. The boards were falling apart. They had tossed ropes around that thing trying to hold that thing together so it wouldn't fall apart. It lost some nails. This was a pretty hopeless situation. And here's the man of God saying, hey, the angel said, don't worry about it. What are you talking about? Look at this situation. The, the ship's falling apart. Now we don't have any, we don't have any, uh, uh, we don't have any lifeboats anymore because you said cut them off and, and, and now we're holding the ship together. How can you say don't be afraid? Well, Paul said, hey, don't worry about it. If everybody stays on the ship, nobody's going to die. And the next thing we find out is nobody died. They did have end up shipwrecked. They, the ship ended up on the banks of this uh, of this, I think it was Melita was the name of the, the island that they ended up on and, and all kinds of great things. You know what happened when they got there? You guys understand what happened when they got to this island? A hopeless situation turned into a beautiful revival is what happened. They were able to pray through the leader of the tribe that they came upon, upon that island. Paul went and prayed for him. He was sick, ready to die. And Paul went and prayed for him, and God raised him up off his deathbed. The apostle Paul got off there, and he said, you know what? I'm going to help out. I'm going to make sure we stay warm. I'm going to, I'm going to stack this fire. And all of a sudden, a serpent jumps out and bites his hand. And everybody knows it was a, was a, it was a deadly serpent. He was a dead man. They're waiting for him to fall over. But no, they looked at they looked at the apostle Paul, brother Donnie, and he they 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 looked at him, and they all he did was get off of there, get get off of there. He put him back in the fire, and the next thing, they're all looking and watching him, saying, "Man, this guy's going to die. We know he's going to die. I've seen people get bit by that snake before. He's going to die." And when he didn't die, they said, "Man, either one of two things: <laughs> that man is a murderer, or that man." is a God. Two extremes, my friends. Humans, we, we look at things in extremes. We, there's no middle of the road typically for us. But I can promise you this. When it all said and done, he said, look guys, don't worship me. I'm not the one who did this. I'm going to point you to the one that, that did. The Apostle Paul, I, I'm so far off my notes right now, but I want you to understand the Apostle Paul didn't care who he was talking to 
and what he was about to face, all he cared about was proclaiming the gospel of Christ and telling them about this wonderful Holy Ghost that he had living on the inside of him. He showed up one day in Greece, and I'm sorry, in was it was it Athens? I think it was. He showed up and he walked up to Mars Hill, and he's standing on top of Mars Hill. Now Mars Hill is a a is a idolatry worshiping epicenter. Okay, every altar that you could conceive of—the sun god, the moon god, the frog god. All the gods that you can think of were being worshipped right there on top of Mars Hill. They had an altar to everything. And then they had an altar that was inscribed this, to the unknown God. And the Apostle Paul said this. He said, look, I notice you've got, got all kinds of different altars. He said, but I noticed one that you got marked to the unknown God. He said, that's the one I want to talk to you about. Hey, man, I don't see anything up here resembling him. And so I want to introduce you to this unknown God. Hey, man, and his name is Jesus. And he doesn't live, hey, man, on a shelf somewhere upon a pedestal of man-made uh, 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 gold or, or wood. God, God's not one who is man-made, but this this God that I'm telling you about, he not only exists and is alive, but he lives on the inside of me. Amen. And here, that's what I'm here t- tonight proclaiming the unknown God to some people. Amen. I know who he is, and he lives on the inside of this old boy. And I'm thankful for his grace. Oh, hallelujah. I'm thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful for his life-changing power. Because without him, I would be so lost and hopeless. But because of him, I have hope today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4 and 4 confirms what I'm talking about tonight. Ephesians 4 and 4 says this. There is only one body. There is and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Amen. You have been called to hope, my friend. And it's through the power of the Holy Ghost. When you're born again, when you're born of the Spirit, and you have the feeling of the Holy Ghost on the inside, you have power. But not only power, you have hope today. Hallelujah. Man, I, I thank God for his goodness and his mercy tonight. Hallelujah. When I'm born again, I'm born into not just any old thing, but I'm, in, I'm born into the body of Christ. It's his body that I am now morphed into. Amen. It is his body that I am now a part of. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 tells me, Now ye are the body of Christ. Amen. He's writing to a church of Holy Ghost filled believers. And he said, You are the body of Christ and members in particular. Amen. I don't have time tonight to talk about the unity of the body, but I'm telling you something. You have your place. In the church, you have your place in his body. His body, you're making up some portion of his body. And we need you. We need you active. We need you 
helping. Amen. We don't need any dead hands. We don't need any dead arms. We don't need any dead legs. Amen. But we need every part of the body of Christ, especially in this day and hour, to be functioning as it should. Amen. Let me tell you something. When one portion of the body is hurting, the rest of the body starts working towards trying to heal that one that is hurting so badly. Amen. And so the whole body begins to be in pain as well. Amen. Because they know, amen, if I can take what I have and don't need, I'm going to push it to my brother or my sister, and I'm going to help them, and I'm going to see them make it all the way. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, same church, Paul saying this. He said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own anymore. Because you are bought with a price, verse 20 says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Oh, hallelujah, man, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. I want you to understand the Holy Ghost has now taken up residence in this old flesh of mine. Amen. And I don't want this flesh of mine giving glory to me. Amen. But when people look at me and when people begin to consider the things that I have accomplished, I don't want them to say, hey, that was something that Brandon Hilton did. But no, I want them to be able to say, I know that boy couldn't have done that without the help of something else. And I get to tell them, hey, guess what? That was Jesus that helped me do that. That was Jesus that gave me the strength to overcome these things. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah tonight? Oh, can we worship the Lord right now? I feel like worshiping him for just a moment in this place. Oh, I adore you in this place tonight, Jesus. Oh, you're great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. I'm sure some of you have already heard me say this before, but I want you to understand this. The, the work that I do today, that God's blessed me, this wonderful job that I have, amen, it keeps the bills paid, it keeps, it keeps, it keeps us together, and, and God's blessed us, and I'm thankful for it. But let me tell you something, I wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do, amen, without the help of God. When I consider the job that I do and the people that I work with on a regular basis, in my opinion, I'm the dumbest of the lot. But somehow, Brother Tuffy, God's given me the grace and the understanding of how to do what I do in order to make things move forward. And I'm thankful for the good graces that I have with the people that I work with. But I didn't start there without calling out to God first. I'm here to tell you this morning, this evening, that every single day and still to this day, but especially early on, I, 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 every day I, I would pray, God, for 45 minutes driving to the office, God, I have no idea how to do what they're asking me to do. I don't even know where to start. And I prayed every day. I'm not saying this. 
I'm not saying this to hype you up. I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you, I know if it wasn't for me asking God for help, and try, and if I had tried to do this on my own, Brother Mendez, I don't feel like at all I could be where I am today. I'd be back out there pouring concrete. I'd be back out there doing work for other people. Amen. Making much less than what I make today. But God heard my prayer. But God listened to every word that I said. And I can tell you this morning, this evening, why is it this morning? I don't know. Amen. But this evening I can tell you today that God gave me the wisdom. God gave me the understanding. I didn't know how to do it, but God knew how to do it. There's nothing that God can't do. And so I don't care what I have achieved. I believe that God will set you up, my friend, whoever you are, wherever you are. And God will set you up in such a way that he will get the glory. Amen. But it's up to you whether you will give him the glory. And the more that you glorify him, Brother Tuffy, the more that he blesses. And the more that, you ble- that, that he blesses, the more that we glorify. And before long, people are going to say, yeah, yeah, whatever, God can't be doing all of that for you. Let me tell you something. Yes, he can. And yes, <laughs> he does. Because that's who I serve. I've tried it by myself. I promise I've tried it by myself. And it was stressful times. But God helped me. God pulled me out of the mess that I made and gave me strength. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Holy Ghost is called the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Ghost is called the Spirit of Truth. John 14, 16 and 17 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. The Spirit of truth. You want to know what the truth is? (laughs) Just get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just get the Holy Ghost. Because the truth shall make you free. It doesn't, here's one thing that I, it's a pet peeve, okay? I don't like it when I hear people quoting that scripture, and the truth shall set you free. No. I believe the scripture is very, precise when it says the truth shall make you free because when you are made free it's gone you can't be bound by that anymore if you're just set free how many of you guys have ever been set free on bond I'm not asking you for a show of hands I'm just saying think about those that have been set free on bond they have to go back in some some instances They're not entirely set free. They're not entirely made free. But when you go before the judge and the judge says, hey, you've done such and such. And I've I've known men to go before a judge. And he sit behind that desk and say, sir, I don't know why I'm saying this or why I'm about to do what I'm about to do. 
But I've heard, the, I've heard of men tell me that the judge look at them in the eyes and say, you know what, I'm wiping it. Get out there and don't do it again. Now, the next time that they got back in there, that was a different story. But I've heard of judges doing that. Now, think about the ultimate judge looking at you and saying, hey, you're not guilty anymore. Get out of here. The truth makes you free. So why wouldn't you want the spirit of truth living on the inside of you? Because it can make you free forever. Well, glory. Amen. I want to move on in this passage of Scripture. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. We've been talking about that already. And they began to speak with other tongues. And, and I'm going to go through some of this very quickly because I already covered some of it last week. And I should have known that in my next batch of notes that I would have the stuff I was going to talk about last week. So anyway, here we go again. I just want to give you scriptures. If you want to write them down, that's fine. If you want to go back and listen to this, you can listen to it later on and get these scriptures for yourself. But tongues was was uh, tongues <clears throat> did not only happen at the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but at every single time that we see people getting filled with the Holy Ghost, there is a signifier there. Amen. I want to go through at least three of them tonight, and I want you to see these things. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? You understand, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then we go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 46, and it says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I should have put verse 45 in there because it would have said, and they, they, they knew that they had received the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues. Do you have that with you, Brother Mendez? Go ahead and holler that out. All right. Uh-huh. Peter even acknowledged these people received the Holy Ghost. Those that were circumcised, that means the other Jewish people that were with them that day, they saw them get the Holy Ghost. And they knew they had the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with tongues. And it was at that moment that Peter said, can any man forbid water? And then the last verse in that chapter says, um, and he commanded that they be baptized in the name of the Lord. Amen. Acts chapter 19 and verse 6. This is the Apostle Paul talking about his conversion. <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, it's not. This is 19 and 6. This is the conversion of, of John the Baptist's uh, disciples. And verse 6, he says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Do we see that there? They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. I'm here today to submit to you that speaking in tongues is for all believers. And if you don't believe me, maybe you will believe Jesus. Because he told me in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. So we are talking about believers, right? Them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. 
they shall speak with new tongues. And the last thing I want to point out about tongues is this. Paul talked in tongues a lot. If you don't believe me, let's ask Paul. 1 Corinthians 14 and 18. He said this. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. He was telling an entire church, I speak in tongues more than every one of you. It's one of those things that come along with the infilling with the Holy Ghost. Now, this whole thing about the tongues, it caused something to happen on the day of Pentecost. If you still got your Bibles, I want you to go to Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 5. And I want, you, I want you to read this with me. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Everybody say confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were confounded. I want to talk about this confounding peace here. Many of these Jews came from other places to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. We've talked about that in, in, the, in, in more recent, uh, in, in past lessons. But those that were there, the Bible says, was from all over the earth, and they were there to worship the Lord. They were there to obey their tradition and they were there, the Bible says, from all over the then known world. Now, before I go any further, I want you to consider this with me. The Bible says, in verse number 6, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Now I want you to understand there is another place in the scripture where this word confound is found. Right, this this word confounded, and I'm gonna let's define it before we do. What does confounded mean? To be confounded means to be confused of an assembly or multitude thrown into confusion. The other scripture that we find in the Word of God that uses this word, God's spirit was involved in this thing. In Genesis chapter number 11 and verse 7, the scripture tells us, this is God speaking now, go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, I don't have a lot of time. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. But the Tower of Babel, God sent confusion. God sent a confounding situation into their midst. And it involved their tongues. It involved their speaking. And as they were working together, in fact, God said in an earlier verse there in Genesis 11, He said, hey, these people, nothing can stop them because they are unified. Now, there are some similarities in these scriptures. 
God knew that in order for the people to accomplish anything great, there had to be a unification. And as they're working, God realized they're going to accomplish what they set out to do. And God said, this is exactly what I don't want them doing. I told them I want them to replenish the earth. But instead they decided that they were going to build their own single kingdom. Well, there's a lot of things running through my mind. Just saying, this whole world is trying to come back together into a single world community. Just saying. Mankind wants to become humanized. They want, uh, I got to be careful. But you got to understand, we as humans, we want to be able to be in control. But God said, no, I want you to go out. I want you to replenish the earth. I want you to fill the entire earth. And I want you to go out there. And I want you to help others. I want you to build others up. And I want you to, I want you to become uh, uh, builders of my kingdom. But instead, we as humans, we want to build our own kingdoms. Amen. We were talking about a situation the other day. And I, and I, I, I just made a quick comment. I said, you know what, guys? Honestly... There's a lot of people that are very kingdom-minded. In fact, I, I tell you what, I really want to push, push being kingdom-minded, but I want to be kingdom-minded for the kingdom of God, okay? I want to make sure that we're always focused on the things of God, amen. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6 and 33 said, and all these things shall be added to you, amen. But there are a lot of people that are kingdom-minded, but it's not God's kingdom that they're minded about. They're, they're minded about themselves. They're minded about building their own kingdom up. And that's not what this is about. This is about building the kingdom of God. And God said, hey, guess what? Those people down there are going directly against what I've called them to do. I gave them directives. I told them what I wanted them to do. I told them how to accomplish it. But they chose not to do it. And God said, I've got to stop it. And so God said, all right. The only way to do this is to break up their unity. It's the only time in scripture that you find God breaking up the unity of the people. The rest of the scripture you find him saying, hey, why don't you come back to me? Why don't you unify yourselves with my spirit and we will all come together. Think about it. But God said, all right, I'm going to confuse them. They didn't understand one another. But at Pentecost, God brought a church together. By the gift of tongues. This is the epitome of what we call the apostolic church. Because the apostles were the original church starters. Can we put it that way? Amen. The Holy Ghost. Uh, the Holy Ghost. God had to separate them because they were going down the wrong path. But he said the Holy Ghost is trying to bring men back together. But not just with one another, but with God himself. To be unified with him. What God separated at Babel, God's trying to draw back to himself. He's saying, hey, hey, come on. I want, I want a relationship with you. Why don't you be unified with me? We can go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Amen. And it says, I beseech you, brethren. Amen. He said this, I want you to be unified with the Spirit. We're born again. Into his body, we now speak a heavenly language unto God. 
Many today are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. But one thing I want to be able to remind us of is this, that the Holy Ghost is given to bring us into unity. It is to lead us. It is to guide us. It is to direct us into truth. That's why it's the spirit of truth that comes on the inside. He said, I will lead you and guide you into not some, not part, but all truth is what the scripture says. That's what Jesus told us he, he was sending his spirit back to do in our lives. Praise God. Amen. A real work of God will always be noised abroad. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 7, we find, amen, that they were all amazed and marveled. Amen. And they were saying to each other, behold, aren't these all which speak Galileans? And I begin to wonder what in the world, why, why, why are they pointing out that these are Galileans? But you've got to understand, in their mind, those people that were from all the other places in the world, they understood Galileans was an expression of, of the deepest reproach. It was a, a contemptible uh, place to be from. Amen. The Galileans were usually ignorant. They were usually rude and uncivilized. Amen. But it's through the unusual that God gets the attention of those that are around us. Amen. God will pick up those people. Amen. That everybody says, hey, that's a hopeless individual. God said, no, that one right there, I'm going to get somebody's attention. And he picks us up out of the old muck and mire. And he begins to put us on the straight street. And he begins to help us and change us. And people begin to notice that the hopeless now has hope. The one that they said was never going to change. The one they said was going to die a wretch. Amen. He's come up out of his wretchedness. And, and God has put him in a good place. Amen. The world takes notice of those unusual things that God does. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, the Bible tells us, but we have this treasure in earth and vessels. That the excellency, oh, the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. He said, I'm, he, God's going to receive the glory out of these earthen vessels. I may not look like much, but with God, I can do anything. All things are possible through Christ. Amen. When I have him in my life, I know everything's going to be all right. And I can affect the world that's around me. And I can affect my home. I can affect my neighborhood. Amen. Because of the God who has changed me. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen here tonight? Hallelujah. God is good to us. Amen. 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 1 Corinthians 1 and 27, the Bible tells us, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Amen. God doesn't care. Amen. What man looks at things through and how they look at it. But God says, hey, they think that's some kind of weakling. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to make it mighty. Amen. Those mighty men of David, if you go back and you read, you're going to find out that those men were indebted to people. Those men had bad reputations, but God said, I'm going to make mighty men out of those people, amen, because, amen, they got behind those that were anointed by God, and they began to build the kingdom of God, hallelujah, don't judge the messenger, 
judge his message whether it is true or not. Amen. Because the reason I'm saying all of this is the people that day, they were judging what those people were saying. They were judging the people that were saying it. So why would they be, begin to talk like that? How do they even know how to speak my language? Don't judge the messenger. Judge his message whether it's true or not. Acts chapter 2 and 8 verse, verses 8 through 11. If we're going to finish this little portion out. says, And how here we ever man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and, and Cappadocia and in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and, and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and the, and the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We're hearing what they're saying. We can't hardly believe that these people are actually saying it, how they're saying it. But we know what they're saying is right. Every man from every nation under heaven, people from all over the world, most of them probably already knew Greek. But they also spoke various languages of the Mediterranean world. Everyone heard them speak in his own language. This was a sign from heaven. God got their attention. Through unordinary people, God was speaking their ordinary languages. The wonderful works of God were being proclaimed. Note, I want you to understand, they didn't hear preaching through these people speaking in tongues, but they heard praising God, mighty works. The reason that's important is because hearing them speak in tongues, the wonderful works of God, didn't make any one of those people ask the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? No. But what they said was, these men are drunk. These men are full of new wine. But Peter began to preach. Amen. When Peter was preaching the word, it's what moved them to ask the question. In Acts chapter 2 and 36, this is the end of what Peter had to say. He said, therefore, I want you to let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And to that the people responded. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? It was the preaching that caused conviction to come. It was the preaching of the word that caused the people to wonder, How can we make things right with God? We messed up. We are messed up. How can we get what those people have? It's real. It's evident to us that God is moving upon them because we heard them talking about his greatness in our own languages, and we know they don't know these languages. Before I move on, I want you to understand not everyone that speaks in tongues is speaking in a known language. This is something, and this is what I addressed the other day, but I want you to, I want you to see this in your scripture, and I'm going to read to from two passages of scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 16 says, For if I pray to you, pray in an unknown tongue, Paul said, My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? 
I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what you say? Amen. In, in the NIV, that same passage of Scripture reads this way. If I pray in a tongue, uh, my spirit, if I, if, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do, he said? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, uh, he can, he, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying? The apostle Paul wasn't condemning speaking in tongues. He was just saying when you come to church, and you're only talking in tongues all of the time, who are you profiting? You're not profiting the church. And when we come to church, we ought to be building each other up. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to talk in tongues while we're at church, but we're not going to stop the service by speaking in tongues. Because when you speak out in tongues out loud and you stop everything, all of a sudden, nobody has any idea what you're saying. That's why, well, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff here, but there, there's charismatic churches that, that would, well, I came across an article about a man that was like, man, I preach in tongues. Well, how are you going to do that? That has zero profit to the church. You know what that tells me? That's not of God. That man was a false prophet because he couldn't edify the church when he got up to preach, he would speak in tongues to the church. Well, nobody's understanding what he's saying. Anyway, all that being said is, yes, it's necessary for us to talk in tongues. It's a part of our salvation, folks. The Apostle Paul said often, he said, I, I, pray, in, I pray in tongues, I speak in tongues more than you all. Amen. He, he testified of the fact that uh, he, he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name. And he spoke in tongues. It's a, it's, a, it's a sign that God is in control of your life. This whole other bit, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. They are necessary in the church. And I know I've said a few things that probably have confused us as far as what is the gift of the Spirit and what is, what is, a, what is a part of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I just want you to understand, when the Holy Ghost comes on you and you feel like you need to talk in tongues, you need to let, let yourself talk in tongues because that's the Holy Ghost moving on you my friend whether you're at home whether you're in the car whether you're at church I don't care where you're at but when the Holy Ghost moves on you and you feel like God is at, putting words in your mind and your mouth I want you to obey what God is asking you to do in that moment amen I'm trying to encourage somebody amen don't be scared of these things amen this is the Holy Ghost this is how it works this is how our faith is built up amen praise God I want you to understand those that were confounded, not only were they confounded about, about what they were saying, but they began to, uh, when, when they were confused. How many of you, how many of you have ever had this experience when, when you did something, people didn't understand what you were doing, they started making fun of you or what you were doing? 
I've been there. My own kids have done that to me. My own wife has done that to me. <laughs> and I've done it to myself. When after I've done it, I'm like, man, that, that was really silly. Why did you do that? But at the end of the day, confusions and confoundings bring accusations. Acts chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? And others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. These guys are drunk. Whenever God moves, let me tell you something. I'm almost done. Sister Tori, you can come. Whenever God moves, you can be sure that Satan will try to destroy it. And usually... The same way he always uses doubt. If he can get any child of God to doubt God, he can stop what God's doing. But it is interesting to me that God uses what Satan tries to destroy with. God takes that and he counters with that. Okay, what are you talking about? I want you to look at what Peter did in Acts 2 and 14. The Bible says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Verse 15, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. The, the apostle Peter just said, hey guys, I want you to think about what time of the day it is. It's not even feasible right now for us uh, to be going through this right now. Amen. He said, I want you to understand, Peter uses their doubt or Satan's attack from the beginning of his sermon. And he says this, I want you to understand, this, this isn't new wine. Amen. These people aren't drunk. Amen. But this is the third hour of the day when we should be drinking that non-toxic, that, that non-fermented uh, grape juice. Amen. If you think about these things, I don't have time. I'm not going to do this this evening. But I want you to understand, in the mornings, uh, if, if you do any investigation or you do any digging, you're going to find that the ancients, it is said, had the art of preserving their new wine with the peculiar flavor before it fermented for a considerable time. And they were in the habit of drinking that in the morning times. Say, so what does this have to do with anything? And this is where I want to close tonight. The new wine. It's, a, it's amazing to me that these men correlated the Holy Ghost falling to new wine. That nobody else had ever partaken of. Caused people to speak in a different language that they have never spoken in before. The Holy Ghost is fresh. The Holy Ghost is a new experience that many have not experienced in their entire lifetime. This is something not only should it be a new experience one time, but it be, should be renewed every single day of our life. It ought to be something we partake of. Amen. It ought to be nurtured in our life. We ought to be building it in our life, amen, through the word of God and through prayer and, and through going to church and hearing the word of God preached 
and fellowshipping with our brothers and our sisters. I said Sunday we're going to start talking about, uh, amen, some, some things that we can do around here, amen, to start fellowshipping a lot more, amen, because I believe once we start fellowshipping one another and praying with one another and helping one another, we're going to see revival outpoured like we've never seen before, amen. This is exactly what Jesus came to proclaim, and that was in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all the, that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. That's what happens when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. There's going to be evidence, not just tongues, there's going to be evidence in your life that things have changed. Can we stand tonight together as we close out this service? Amen. There are things in